Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Joshua Culp from the Conservative Yeshiva, and today we will be studying Moed Katan, Daf Tet Vav, Daf 15. Uh, yesterday I gave the introduction to the third chapter, and we're going to continue on in the third chapter. There is a long, long sugya that actually began in the end of Daf Yadalet and continues really on to the end of Taf Tet Vav, even to the beginning of Daf Tet Zayin. And in it we learn of 14 things uh, that all, for all of them an Avel, a mourner, is forbidden from doing. Some of them, the Gemara consistently compares them with three, with two other categories that also appeared in the first Mishnah of the Perak. Uh, the first one is the Minudeh, somebody who has been put into excommunication. Some things are in common between the Avel and the Minudeh, and the person put into excommunication. And it also compares them with the Mitzorah, the person who has some kind of skin disease, uh, a category that wasn't halacha l'maseh, it wasn't practical halacha for chazal, but it was a theoretical concern coming from the Torah, what things an, uh, a mitzvah can't do, or what things he's prohibited from doing, etc. So we're not going to be too concerned with the um, person put into excommunication, or certainly not with the person who has skin disease, but I wanted to go over what are these 14 things that are prohibited, or that are ob- obligatory for the Avel, the, the long sugya sort of serves, uh, serves as a um, table of context for the rest of the chapter, where we're going to get back into some of these issues again. Uh, but for now, it just gives us a brief um, biblical uh, sources for some of these things or, or other types of sources. So I wanted to, before I talked about what these 14 things are, point out that many of them, not all of them, but many of them, are derived from a verse in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, ha, um, in chapter 24, we learn that his wife dies, um, and this is symbolic of Yerushalayim and uh, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, being destroyed, which Ezekiel is not allowed to mourn for, neither for his um, for Jerusalem nor for his wife. So God comes and tells uh Ezekiel in chapter 24, verse 14, that he is going to take away his wife. I am about to, to take away the delight of your eyes. Machmad from a pestilence, from a plague. But you shall not lament or weep or let your tears flow. Moan softly, in other words, be quiet, ha'anik dom in the Hebrew. Observe no mourning for the dead. Put on your turban and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover over your upper lip and do not eat the bread of the comforters. So from those verses, what Ezekiel, generally speaking, is not allowed to mourn, we learn the rules of mourning, what other normal people are obligated to do. 
For instance, don't lament. So therefore, lamenting must be a part of the normal process of mourning. Um, put your sandals on your feet is another example. So if Ezekiel was told that he has to wear sandals, so the rest of us can learn that since Ezekiel was instructed to wear sandals, we, when we're normal mourners, are not allowed to wear our sandals. So I wanted to just briefly go over what are those 14 things and to categorize them a little bit and then talk about one or two exceptions. So the first thing is connects us up with the larger passage in Moed Katan is that an Avel is not allowed to mourn on the festival. So that connects us to the laws of the festival, to the laws of Chol Moed, which are the, chap the subject of Moed Katan. An Avel is not allowed to cut his hair. Again, that's another issue that connects it up to the festival. Um, he has to wear a special head covering. We don't do this anymore, but he has to wear a special head covering. He is not allowed to wear tefillin, and we're going to get back to that, as we're going to see later on in the chapter, what are the rules of tefillin for an Avel. He's not allowed to formally greet other people with She'ilat Shalom. Uh, he's not allowed to engage in Torah study, not allowed to launder his clothing. He must tear his clothing. Uh, he must overturn the bed, and I'm going to come back to what that means later on. He is not allowed to work. He's not allowed to uh, bathe. He cannot wear leather shoes, sandalim. Not allowed to engage in sexual relations, and he's not allowed to send his sacrifices. I should mention or apologize for uh, using the he consistently, but the rules of Avelut apply both to males and females equally. There is no uh, distinction, at least not in the normal rules of Avelut. So most of these things, what are the what is the purpose of them? Some of them are depriving him of basic comforts. So laundering, clothing, uh, washing his clo uh, washing his clothing, washing his body. Um, Torah study was considered to be a pleasure, sex, some uh, leather shoes. Some of these things are physical discomforts to him. Uh, other ones, many of the other ones, are separating him from society. He's not allowed to work. Uh, he's not allowed to send his sacrifices, no greeting. Uh, he's not um, allowed to, uh, he must, uh, not allowed to greet, etc., etc. Uh, so most of these things are either depriving or separating him from society. One of them, I think, is interesting and stands out from the others because it is, in my opinion, at least one understanding of it, purely symbolic. Now, by what I mean symbolic, it means more than just signifying that he is an Avel. So wearing a special head covering, I would not call that symbolic, but I would call that um, a signifier. A person wears a head covering in order to signify that he is or she is an Avel. Um, just like you might wear, uh, I don't know, special clothing to signify that you are uh, uh, the baseball player, right? right? If you're the baseball player, so you wear special clothing when you go into the field and everybody can look at you and say, ah, that guy is not an umpire, that guy is a baseball player. So a lot of times we wear special clothing to signify who we are. I wouldn't call those symbolic. It doesn't stand for something else. But overturning the bed, at least as it's understood in the Bavli, and perhaps in and in the Yushami as well, the, the Jerusalem Talmud as well, is symbolic of death. And we see that in our um, sugya, the bottom of Tet Vav, Amad Aleph, it says, Avel Chayav B'Kfiat The 
mourner is obligated to overturn the bed. Now, exactly how this was done is not all that clear, but somehow he would overturn the bed, uh, perhaps upside down, perhaps on its side. It's not clear. We're going to get back to that later on. Ditani bar kapara, bar kapara namora taught, demut diaikoni natati behen, uvanotehem hafachtia, kfumitotehen aveha. I gave you the image, right? Demut diukani is actually a double word that means the same thing. Demut is the same word as selam, the image. I put my image, God is speaking. I put my image. Diukan is from the same uh, Greek word as icon. I put my icon in you. And this we learn in many, many places in rabbinic literature that people have the tselem Elohim. It's from Breshid. But the rabbis developed this to the notion that people actually look like God. There is the divine image. It's not um, symbolic. It's not metaphorical. It's what I would term real. People's bodies look like God. And that's an image I know that is very disturbing for a lot of people, a notion that um, is sort of anti-Maimonidean, is anti-rational. But I do believe it's the pshat of uh, Chazal's philosophy or their understanding of human beings. Um, and I, God says, I gave that to you. I gave you the image of God. And in your sins, you overturned it with the theology here that death is because of sin, a very normal theology or understanding of how the world works that death is uh, in Chazal, death is a result of sin. Now, as a symbol, you are going to overturn your bed because of the uh, 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 of the sins that you ca caused, the sins that you did which caused death. Now, in the Yerushalmi, we read this even more explicitly. V'it demafkin lishna, this comes in the third chapter of Moed Katan, like our chapter. Some people read it in this way. Yachpeh sur. Let the agent be overturned. And here the agent is bed, and the bed is the agent of creation. Right? That is the moment where, assumedly speaking, the initial conception of the human being occurred. And as a symbol for what just happened, we are told to overturn the bed just as that person's life has been overturned. And that's a symbol. We're going to come back to this later on in the chapter when we talk about it again. But it's not something that's purely depriving him of something, although there are some versions that say he overturns the bed to make it more uncomfortable for him to sleep on or so that he has to sleep on the floor. But the whole custom of sitting on low chairs or sitting on the floor, it's not 100% clear whether that is our version of overturning the bed. I'm going to leave that aside for today, but I'm going to stick with this understanding that this is a symbolic way of showing that death has occurred. We take the agent of life, the bed, where conception occurred, we overturn it, and in that way we symbolize the death that has occurred to the human being. Um, as you might know, we don't, we no longer overturn our beds. Um, some of the Rishonim, last bit I'll, I'll end up with here, some of the Rishonim point out that uh, in Europe, they saw these overturned beds and they thought the Jews were engaging in sorcery. And they were afraid that uh, the non-Jews would persecute them because of their overturned beds during mourning. And so they stopped overturning the beds. Probably this is not the original reason, the actual reason why they stopped overturning the beds. Probably it was a custom that was forgotten. It didn't make sense in their material reality. But I still think it's a, an interesting Note there that sometimes the fear that what Jews do looks like sorcery caused 
changes in our customs. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.